Thank you. Good morning, everyone. I'm Dima. Welcome. Nice to see you all. Um, happy bank holiday weekend. It's great, isn't it? Not raining yet. Um, are you guys all right? Good. Good. Um, good. So nice to see you all. So this morning, I'm going to be talking to you about lifeboats. And I know that in Worcester, we don't have much to do with lifeboats because we're right in the middle of the country. Um, when my husband and I went to um, Northumberland on holiday a couple of years ago, we were on the coast, we went to the, we went to the beach, and there were lifeguards on the beach. There were, they were educating all of the children there on water safety, taking them into the water, showing them um, how to fear and respect the water and stay safe and have fun at the same time. They had fundraisers. They were trying to get us to sponsor them. They had museums celebrating local heroes. It was quite a big thing. I didn't realize how big a thing that was. And that group was called the RNLI, Royal National Lifeboat Institute. Um, I find it quite a mouthful to say, so sorry if I trip over my my letters a bit later. So I'm going to be talking to you about lifeboats today and the reason is because somebody in our church a few years ago stood on top of a hill overlooking Worcester and just saw loads of lights dotted around Worcester and God was speaking to them about that being like lifeboats stationed in our communities. So we're going to look at that word in more detail today. I believe that God wants to launch and commission some lifeboats today into our communities. So I want you to just come to this talk with an open mind and open heart, be listening to God and just let him speak to you. There's something particular that he wants to speak to you, whether you're new here or visiting or whether you're part of the church or been part of the church for a very long time. You're very welcome and I believe that God's got something for you this morning. So um, lifeboats also are, I believe, something that you could use as a metaphor for God's plan ever since the beginning of time. So Adam and Eve were planted in the garden, you could say like a lifeboat, to, um, to tend the garden and to do something that brought the kingdom of God in the place where they were. You could say that Later, Abraham was called out of the place he was by God, and he was given a commission to be like a lifeboat, and his family became a traveling family that took the kingdom of God and the glory of God with them wherever they went. And that family later became the nation of Israel, and God's commission to Israel was to be a light to the nations so that nations would come to their light, so that nations would know and recognize what it looks like when the kingdom of God is in its rightful place, in its rightful way. You could say that then Jesus came, and he came from the splendor of heaven to the squalor of earth. He actually went on a journey to show us what it's like. So right in the midst of our community, Jesus came to be a lifeboat for us. He actually gathered a small team to go with him, a little crew. We call them his disciples. And they actually did go on boats sometimes. And he taught from there. But mostly he was modeling what it looked like to be a lifeboat in that community. And God wants that for us. He then sends us as well. So when Jesus went back up to heaven, he released the great commission to go into all the world to make disciples of all nations. He sent us the Holy Spirit. So now that when we go out into our communities, in our lifeboats, we have God with us. We have the Holy Spirit with us. We're not on our own. 
So that's the background of what I'm going to be talking to you about today. We're going to take a little bit from the Bible, a little bit from the RNLI, and a little bit from life experience. And we're just going to um, build a picture and hopefully draw out of that what you feel God is speaking to you about. Where does he want you to be placed in your community? What's the role that he's got for you? And what does that look like? So... The first lesson we've got is that lifeboats are planted in the community. So if you're thinking about, well, where should I launch my boat? Where am I going? I want you to think about where are you? Where are you right now? And that's where we start from. So at the moment, for me personally, I'm at home most of the time. And my home is like a lifeboat to me. So there are five people that live in our home. And in that context, we are like um, on mission together. So we, um, we encourage each other, we love each other, we build each other up, we are on a journey together spiritually. But at the same time, we have um, a philosophy in our home that we would like our home to be like the culture that God wants it to be so that when people come into our home, that they will experience something of God and that's like a lifeboat in our little community. I'm also stationed in my, with my neighbors in my wider community. So I have other friends in my community who are um, with me working in that area and just being um, a light that people know that they can come to and just working good into the community around us. For other people, it might be work or school or you might have a hobby. I don't have any hobbies, I've realized. I'm not one that takes me out anyway. So um, some people play golf, some people do book clubs, anything that kind of takes you out into the community, that's where you are and that's where you can start. Um, it's about finding out where you belong, where are your roots. So Jesus modeled this, like I said, but he also taught on it. So I'm just going to read you a couple of stories that Jesus taught. So it's from Luke 13. And Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God like? What shall I compare it to? Is it like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in the garden? It grew and it became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. So here Jesus is giving you an example of a single entity, one little seed that is planted deep in the garden, deep in the soil. And this seed could represent our prayers when we pray, we sow into our communities. It could represent good deeds that we do that bring the kingdom of God and demonstrate something of the kingdom. It could represent truth that we speak that is being planted in the soil. It could even represent ourselves. And sometimes you might feel like you're the only person who is a Christian or who's carrying the light of God in your community. But God says, plant yourself, dig deep into the soil. And sometimes that planting results in some kind of death. Well, all of the time, actually. A seed goes into the ground and it dies. And sometimes it might feel like you have to give up something of yourself. Or you might throw a truth out there or a prayer out there and it feels like it's just died. But actually, God's saying it's planted. And he comes and he waters that. And the fruit is because God makes it grow. God makes it grow into this amazing tree that then bears fruit that other people can come and enjoy. So the metaphor here is of birds coming to perch in the branches. But you could say the mustard seed also produces more mustard and more seeds. And there's a growth and there's a multiplication and there's a place of safety for other people to come to. 
And the second part of that story, um, Jesus asked his disciples, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It's like yeast that a woman took and mixed it into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. And yeast is different to the grain of mustard seed because it's not a single entity, it's a culture. So we're now looking back at our lifeboats into our groups, into our communities, and we're planting a culture. And the culture of yeast to um, flour is actually 3%. The ratio is 3%. So when you feel like you're planting yourself, you might think, oh, I've only got one or two people that I know in my organization who are Christians. Uh, what difference can we make? Well, just think about that little tiny bit of yeast that is planted inside the flour and it works through the whole dough so the whole dough is affected so you guys can get together in your little twos and threes and you can pray together for your community you can split up at some points and go and speak to different people and just be imparting encouragement and wisdom and grace and something of God's spirit and the way that you can test whether or not you're making a difference in your community is looking around you and seeing, like the yeast works through the dough, the whole community is meant to be rising around you and growing and expanding. And is the community around you looking more like Jesus? Is it looking more like his kingdom? What would happen if you weren't there? So sometimes we don't see the effects or sometimes it's very slow growth. But actually, sometimes you've just got to believe and have faith that if you weren't there the place is going to be much worse off <laughs> because you being there is bringing something of the kingdom. Okay, so we looked about being planted into our communities and now we're going to look at being motivated by a need. And Jesus was motivated by a need when he came down to heaven. He was motivated by a need because people were lost. They needed to know the way. And he wants us to be motivated by the same need, by love. He wants us to be motivated by a deep love for those around us and to see that people are lost. And quite honestly, for me, I often forget that. I often am in my own little bubble, my own little world, and wrapped up in my own needs. I'm not looking at the community around me. And every now and then I have to pray and ask God, God, open my eyes to the needs of the community around me because I need to see what it's like because I need to have that heart response that I don't currently have. I need to have your response and your heart for the community around me so that I can be motivated, so that I can um, pray and dig in. And a few weeks ago, um, Alex and I were watching a play and the play was just so full of hopelessness. It really gutted me right to the core because the, the person who wrote the play really wanted to get the message home about how hopeless life can be sometimes. And I was just churning up inside because obviously as a Christian, I believe there's always hope and I live with that. And every time there's pain and suffering and disappointment, I know that it's always gonna finish with hope because that's what God's promised me. And I couldn't cope with this play that was just going nowhere and just didn't finish with hope. I couldn't cope with it. And God really just opened my eyes in that moment to the fact that this is how people live. Not everybody, but this is how some people live in our communities. There is no hope in their world and it's depressing and it's sad and God needs us to be placed, properly placed in our communities to be those people that bring hope. If you remember last week, um, Josh and Sonia came and they shared a story very briefly about how 
their call to move to another country is to be in a place, to position themselves in a place where people who are seeking, who are lost, know where to go to find help. And that's exactly the same for you. You don't have to go anywhere necessarily. God puts, takes you where you are, and where you are, you're meant to be that beacon of light um, as individuals, but also as communities. So the RNLI actually was also founded and motivated on this need for, um, for hope. And so it basically started because in the 1700s, about 1,800 um, vessels were shipwrecked every single year on the coast of England. Some communities stood by and watched helplessly, and others got into their little fishing boats and rowed out and tried to do the best they can to save those they could. Um, but there wasn't really any sense of cohesion in that. One, I'm, I'll get on to the rest of the story in a bit, but one story of a girl, this, um, I think this was before the RNLA was founded, called Grace Darling, and she was also based in Northumberland. She was 22 years old, and her father was a lighthouse keeper. So one night, as is quite common, I think, on the coast, they had lots and lots of shipwrecks, but one night, Grace and her father noticed a group of people stranded on an island about a mile out from shore, and it was dark and cold and wet and stormy, and the, the waves were crashing. It was incredibly fierce and dangerous, um, and Grace and her father both had a choice. They could have chosen to look on helplessly at what was happening and hope that the waves died down soon. They could have even prayed and hope that the waves died down so that they can go out and rescue those people. They could have um, stayed inside the comfort of their own home and said, well, actually, I'm going to die too if I go out there. It's too dangerous. She could have felt too young, too inexperienced. She could have felt too weak as she hasn't really done anything like this before. And, um, yeah, but she didn't feel any of those things because she was motivated by a need. She was motivated by something bigger than just her own comfort and her own safety. She got into the boat, she battled the waves, and she rowed fearlessly through the really strong waves that were trying to smash her boat into the rocks as well. She tried to keep the boat steady while they went and rescued all of these passengers. And she was honoured by the RNLA, R-N-L-I, <laughs> for gallantry. Um, and, and the other thing was that she also was ill-equipped. All they had was a fishing boat. They didn't have the, the life boats, the life rafts that we have now. So from this, I wanted to draw out that if you feel like too young, too inexperienced, too ill-equipped, that's okay, because God's saying, go out anyway. If you feel like the storms around you are too high, that's okay, because God says, go out anyway. If you feel like you're a new Christian, or maybe you're not even a Christian yet, and you don't know what all this is about, and is, does this word really apply to me, I'm going to say to you, go out anyway, because grace wasn't part of any crew particularly she just saw a need and responded to it and the best way that you can learn as somebody who isn't a Christian or a new Christian is to get into a boat with people who are and learn from them see how they love their community see how they pray and invest in the community around them and really learn about what it looks like um, to be in that community with God 
Okay, so God wants us planted in our communities, motivated by a need, and part of a crew. That's the next thing. So we're on to Henry Blog now, who's another RNLI hero. He was honoured for 53 years of service, which I think puts him in his 70s. By the time he was still going, he was still launching his lifeboat. So we're going from a very young girl to a very old guy. Sorry if you're in your 70s. Um, so he didn't give up. And this is a lesson to people who are not only old in years, but also old in maturity in their Christian faith, that God wants you to keep launching he wants you to keep going out. He wants you to help those who are younger. And do you know my most, most, most growing time this year in the last 18 months um, has been helping my teenage children going through their rough patches. So when you have younger people to help or people less experienced than you to help, you're helping them, but actually they're also growing you. And they're really teaching you things and working things into you that you didn't realize that you needed to learn. So get into the boat, even if you're feeling old and past it. And it says of Henry that he launched 387 times and helped to save 873 lives. Um, so the lesson for us in that is that he launched and he kept launching. And he didn't give up. And he must have had some failures. He must have lost people at sea. He must have seen some horrendous things. But not once did he give up. And he kept going. And so if that's you and you feel like you've been disappointed in your life, I just feel God saying to you, get back in the boat. Get out there again. Find the place that he wants you to go to. Find the people that he wants you to go with. It says here that he was with his dedicated crew. He cannot have had a dedicated crew for 53 years because I'm sure during that time the crew changed. So be asking God now, who have you got for me to walk with now in this season and in this place? And it might be different people for different seasons. But we're going to spend some time at the end of this talk, just so you know, I'm throwing a lot of stuff out there and a lot of metaphors. But at the end of the talk, I'm going to give everyone some time just to think about these things and how this particularly applies to your lives. We're going to pray together and maybe talk about it in twos or threes. Okay, still with me so far? Great. Right, so being planted in our communities, motivated by a need, part of a crew and connected to the station. So this is the part that I got to in the story where there were 1,800 shipwrecks every single year and the, there were, like I said, pockets of communities that were rising up and starting to go on rescue missions, but they weren't very well equipped and there was no sense of cohesion. So um, in 1824, Sir William Hillary, he was based on the Isle of Man and he was fed up of seeing all of these shipwrecks. He wasn't just motivated to start a crew himself, which he was part of rescue missions himself on the Isle of Man, but he was motivated enough to go and lobby Parliament and to try and set up this organisation called the RNLI because he could see the benefit of everyone working together, of having all of the lifeboat stations around the country linked up together. And the benefits were, obviously, raising public awareness, like we saw on the beach um, in Northumberland. It was about raising finances and raising funds. It was about education, so educating the public in safety. Um, it was about developing new methods, new, um, what do you call it, like 
uh, I can't remember what it's called now, new technologies for communication, new technologies for life-saving, um, new life jackets, all those kind of things. And there was a lot more joined up thinking, but it was also being part of something bigger, which encouraged each individual lifeboat and each individual lifeboat station to keep going, to be really well trained, really well equipped, and to be launched from their communities out to sea. So, um, I'm going to unpack that a little bit more in a minute, but I just wanted to say that at the beginning of this talk, I just had a picture of um, all the lights that were scattered. They were, they were all scattered around, which represents us in lifeboats. And they all came together to form one light in the middle. And then they were all scattered out again. It was like a big explosion and they all went out. And I feel like that's what God wants to do with us. So we're out every day in our communities. We're out sowing seeds. We're out being a light. We're out affecting the kingdom around us. And on Sundays or at other points where you gather with other Christians from around the world, we all come together. We encourage each other. We make one light. We're a beacon. And then God sends us all out again. And we, we are sent out, encouraged and equipped and inspired. And that's part of what this gathering is about on a Sunday morning. And that's also part of what, why we would get together with other Christians from other parts of the world or other parts of church or our wider network and catalyst. And so when we come together, the importance of every single person playing their part really comes to bear because every single person here is needed to encourage the people around you to play their part in order to um, inspire and encourage lifeboats back out into the communities. So these are some of the things that you can do with the RNLI. You can be a fundraiser that's playing your part. You can raise awareness in the community around you. You can be in youth education. So that could be either here on a Sunday morning or it could be out in your community or both. You could be a station in station volunteer training. So Jim spoke a few weeks ago about our um, different gifts. If you remember... Um, if, I don't know if you were here or not, but he spoke about our different gifts being used here and being used out in the community. So he spoke about people having the gift of the gap and the gift of hospitality and the gift of the prophetic and the art. And he spoke about um, prayer and sports and things like that. And all of those things, God has given you unique gifts and unique skills which you can use both in the community, in your individual lifeboats, but also back here at the station to encourage and to inspire. And every single thing that you do contributes to the greater mission, which is to see lives lost at sea. And that's what the RNLI say as well. They say that every single volunteer that they have is contributing in whatever way they are to another rescue, to another life being saved. So that's something about your role in this. So we're being planted in our communities, motivated by a need, part of a crew, connected to the station. And the last thing is that no one else can fulfill the role that you have or that God has got for you, either in your lifeboat or, or back in the station. Um, 
So I'm just going to finish there with a story. Is this making sense so far? I'm getting your heads around it. Okay, great. Um, we're going to finish with another story before I ask you to think about your own selves and your own lives and what that means for you. So, and the story comes from uh, one of our church members called Kyla. She's not here today, but she's given me permission to tell her story. So Kyla had a dream about um, three or four years ago that she was in a life raft. I don't think she was aware of this word at the time. And a life raft is slightly different to a lifeboat, but it's quite similar. They're both out at sea. They've both got people in them. Um, and she felt quite vulnerable in this life raft. She was in the raft with about three or four other people from her current place of work. And at the time, her relationship with those people wasn't very close. But now, she says, reflecting back on it, God has done something amazing in her relationship with those people that, that were pictured in her dream at the time. So God has really um, built something into their relationships that when you are in a boat with someone, you've really got to look after the people in that boat with you because they're ability to be well and um, and to kind of have everything that they need is really important for the health of the whole boat so so you when God kind of places you in that community and he gives you those people that you're meant to be walking with fight for them pray for them love them encourage them make sure that they are at the best possible place that they can be because they need you and you need them and that's what the importance of being in a boat together is all about. So anyway, now she's in a position where she is able to speak prophetically and, and speak wisdom into these people's lives. She has a really close relationship with these people that God has given her. And in the dream as well, she was really leaning over the boat um, far into the ocean and picking out pieces of wood and dusting them off, cleaning them up and putting them back in the life raft. And for her, she was really amazed that she wasn't afraid to do this, that she wasn't afraid to lean over right in the middle of the ocean and pick things out and put them in the boat. And we just felt like that was an interpretation of um, God inviting her curiosity and to delve into spiritual things and to pick out pieces. They might not be whole pieces, but they were little pieces, little treasures. And putting them in the boat was a symbol of her being able to give those um, to the people around her. So God was showing her her contribution to the boat. Um, and when we think in a little minute about what your contribution is to your boat um, or to the station or to the world around you, I want you to be thinking about what are you passionate about? What are you gifted in? What is it that God has spoken to you? It could be a specific word that God has spoken to you. In which case, that's the thing that he wants you to bring either to the boat or to the station or to the world around you. What are other things that people appreciate about you as well? Because that can give you a clue. What do people say? Oh, I really love it when you... And that's something that you might not realize is your contribution to the world around you. Okay, so God wants us to be the light this is part of us exporting hope. We all carry hope with us wherever we go. And this is part of us having an adventure with God. So I want you to spend about five minutes now um, with the person next to you, or you can talk to somebody else if you want to, but it's easier if you just speak to the person next to you. And just think about these things. I'm going to put them up on the screen, some questions.
I want you to think about in your own life, where are you? Where are you currently planted? What do you have passion for? So it could be that you also have a passion for something and it feels too big and too overwhelming and you don't know where to start with it. That's really common, but that's okay because I would want to encourage and invite you not to harden your heart to those feelings and pray about them instead and ask God, what can I do with this? What, what are you leading me to do with this feeling? And he'll show you and he'll open a door for you. I want you to ask to the person next to you, who are you with? Who is your crew in these different situations? Who are you really fighting for in those relationships? And how are you connected back to the station? So it might be that you've got one or two connections, or it might be that you have several. Um, it might be your, that you're connected here to Hope Church, um, or it might be that you're connected to other Christians in other parts of the world. That's okay. And then I want you to ask, what's my part? What's the thing that I can do that no one else can do that's unique, that is my contribution that God has given? That actually, if I don't do it, I'm going to take you back to um, Grace Darling's story. If she didn't go out of the lifeboat, if she thought the waves were too strong or um, she was too weak, who else would have gone out to save those people? So all of those lives would have been lost. And I want you to see your unique um, contribution it's, it's I want to say that it's not optional it is optional, you can choose not to go that's fine but it's, there isn't like a second um, a second person who's going to come and step in and fill your gap somebody else might come and step in and be them but nobody else can step in and be you and bring what you can bring to God and to the world around you so what would it look like to our communities if we were all able to do this, if we all knew exactly what we, what we were carrying, who we were carrying with, and able to sow into our communities, and what would happen to our communities if we didn't. Okay, so we want to be a place here on Sunday mornings that we encourage, that we inspire, and that we help each other to go out um, and to be a blessing to the world around us. So I'm going to give you five minutes now to speak to the person next to you. So you're looking at where, with who, and...